0: Everyone here? Everyone ready to go? Good afternoon folks, my name is David Downs. I'm a freelancer with Billboard Magazine. I'll be moderating today's panel on the future of music creation. We have a bunch of wonderful guests here today and I thank them so much for their time and and their attention to this important issue. I figure we'll start by going down the line with a really brief introduction and let you guys get your shameless self-promotion out of the way. Talk a little bit about what you're doing. First of all, we got the one and only Dweezil Zappa, famous guitarist, actor, guitar teacher. He's going to be an actual musician on this panel to tell us about the future of creation technologies as they are being used. Dweezil, give us a few minutes.
1: Well, I don't really need to do any, you know, promoting. I'm just here to have this discussion, so (laughs) I'm happy to, uh, you know, talk about anything that, that I use on a daily basis, technology-wise, and, and where I see the benefits of, of what technology has to offer for creating music and, and what kinds of changes it's helped make for not only making music in the studio, but for touring and, and all kinds of aspects of, of day-to-day things that happen when you're a professional musician.
0: With the air quotes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Next up, we have Daniel Walton with RetroNyms here in San Francisco.
2: Hello. We make software for the iPad and the iPhone. Try to make music easier to uh, create. Try to capture ideas and share them with other people in a fun, you know, really accessible way. And just really want to enable people to express themselves through music.
0: And that's kind of our goal. Dan's main app is Tabletop. It's free on iOS. Download it. Up next is, is the legendary San Valenti with Ghostly
3: hard to live up to that. Thanks. Yeah, I have a company called Drip FM, just started a subscription, subscription platform for creators, and we want it to be the easiest way to connect with and sell to your fans. And my background is in Ghostly, which is a record label art brand. Try to connect, find really, really awesome talent, connect them to an audience.
0: So thanks for having me. Ghostly is sort of the sort of future of music as far as I'm concerned and Sam hopefully is going to tell us a little bit about what artists on his label get up to and, and what they might be getting up to in the future. And then the one and only Dot who is another full-time musician and, and producer and, and the whole thing, right?
4: I have a clone. <laughs> sure, I'm not the only one.
3: Is she, yeah. are
4: you her or is she, Yeah, how do we, how we know? Oh, I just saw Oblivion and it's still stuck in my head. Yes, I produce music uh, in the genre of Chill Out and have had the good fortune to be able to license quite a bit of it uh, and just produced a sample library of Chill Out for Beatport sounds, of the sounds that I've been working on and developing over the years that are now available through the vast and amazing sample industry of Beeport Sounds, and also had the great honor to work at Apple for 10 years as a specialist in logic and to help other musicians become skilled at developing their music from the very hobbyists to some of the greatest artists of our day. I could name drop quite a few that uh, I helped with develop using Logic, Killers, own 5, Gaga's producer, Red One, T-Pain, Akon. Just the process of being a part of helping other musicians be as inspired with music is pretty awesome.
0: Thanks. So I'm gonna start with you, Daniel. You know, running tabletop on iOS, I sort of feel like you have some pretty strong opinions about what the future of music creation might sound like and be like and what it might entail. Can you, can you speak a little bit to what you're working on at Tabletop and why? Yeah, the, the boring answer is
2: that technology is going to continue to make hard things easy and expensive things inexpensive, and it's going to basically break down a lot of barriers in what it takes to make music. And so that's a lot of what we want to capture in Tabletop. So, you know, it used to be that if you wanted to get your hands on a 303 or an MPC or a mixer or a synthesizer or a mini moog or any of these great classic instruments that are in like a lot of our favorite albums and music, it was a difficult thing to go around and collect them all. And it took space and it took time and a lot of money. And so what we're doing with Tabletop is making all of that as just inexpensive and as simple as possible and also make it so that we also take advantage of of the new things. That, so the more exciting thing is like not just the, so the boring part is that technology is going to make everything really accessible and really inexpensive and it'll be easier than ever to recreate music and tools will be more accessible than ever. That's the, that's the boring part. The exciting part is that you're going to be able to share that music with people better than ever. You're going to be able to incorporate other people's music and remix music and collaborate with people in new ways that have never really been possible before. So those are sort of the two sort of sides to the coin. It's like, one, it's all going to be really easy, and two, there's going to be new things that you've never been able to do before. And that's, that's all of the things we're trying to do with Tabletop.
0: I sort of feel like there's a tension there with getting these tools into everyone's hands and getting them banging on them either as toys or as introductory musical instruments and the tensions with people like Dweezil and Dot who spend all day every day theoretically in the studio or on tour working with quote-unquote professional audio equipment. And I, I want to ask first, Dot, do you use any iOS apps or, or phone or, or tablet uh, devices to sketch up music or, or how, how, yeah?
4: I plan to. But, but I do not yet, no. Well,
0: why do you plan to? I mean, is it?
4: It's a natural progression. For, for me, the laptop so far has been the best extension for me creatively because I predominantly work in logic and because it is still requiring the Mac operating system.
0: OSX or whatever.
4: O S X, exactly. Have you um, seen
0: other musicians uh, but there sketching are on their
4: phenomenal phone tools on the iPad and the smartphones, phenomenal tools for creating. And it, it is a natural progression to, to have that there. You know, it's just a matter of when the tool will feel like it's where I want to be for what I want to do. And I'd love to see this app. I wish we had it up on the big screen right now. But uh, I mean, there's so many, there's amazing. The controller that I've seen for Omnisphere is gorgeous. That's a virtual instrument. And there's an iPad controller for it. That's amazing. So it's, I mean, I'm not sure the question exactly.
0: I was just curious if you had any favorite apps you were using, but I had to do have a follow-up, which is, like, is there, like, an anxiety about being left behind the curve of of music technology, or do you feel sort of comfortable every day with your process?
4: Well, I've had the good fortune to stay connected to where the tools are by working for a technology company. I I originally worked for eMagic, the original company that made Logic. And it's definitely a valid path for an artist to, however they can, directly connect themselves to the tools. And if you have the opportunity to work directly with manufacturers is a way to stay on top of where tools are, it's not the only way. I worked in a music store, which is a, before any of that, which is kind of interesting. A lot of people hate it because you make no money. But it was another opportunity to work directly around the tools every day and the new tools that came out and meet the reps from the manufacturers. So you got to do something and take responsibility for staying current with the tools. It's whether I have anxiety about staying current, I think we all have that sort of low-grade anxiety about staying current with technology, period. Because it's not just about music tools, it's about how technology is changing everything from our TV sets to how we communicate and just all of our anxiety to keep up with all of that.
0: Tell me about it, I'm a technology writer, I'm doing
4: and, it. Yeah, and I mean really to me it's all about the future of creation as much as the future of music creation. We would need two hours for that.
0: Dweezil, can you tell me a little bit about The Fractal and how it's really um, opened up your live game in terms of what you want to do?
1: Uh, and well, explain what it is. Sure. Well, I play guitar, so there's a a device that was made by this guy named Cliff Chase called a uh, Fractal Audio Axe Effects, and it's basically a guitar preamp that will allow you to recreate the sounds of the classic gear that that everybody who you know is a fan of guitar music and stuff would would covet things, certain amplifiers, certain kinds of effects and stuff like that so he's found a way to 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 dial this stuff in in this this unit and make it so that the actual audio quality uh and the 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 playability of it emulates those real deal amplifiers to such a degree that you no longer need to own those things because they exist in this one box.
0: Is it that sacrilege right there? What you just said?
1: Well, to some people, there's a lot of people that are always going to be like, "Oh, the tube version's going to be better tubes? you know uh tubes this that but you know many of the tubes that were in these original amps cannot be produced anymore, so you have to use a different kind of tube so it to, wouldn't be so reliable. it's not going to be the same anyway you know but but ultimately, this kind of technology makes it possible for you to not only make the record that you're making or the music that you're making now that has your own sounds that that you want to create, but you can recreate the classic sounds of 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 other things that that you really like. You know, I mean, whether it's Jimi Hendrix sound or Van Halen sound or or some classic guitar hero that that uh, you you really admire, they're they're playing. You can use this device to make all these sounds that, that really are very, very specific, but it's, it's a very uh, fantastic creative tool, especially for the kind of stuff that, that I do in, in the live presentation of my father's music, because he used so many different pieces of equipment, and he used them in so many ways that were unusual.
0: I'm surprised if he could remember.
1: Well, you know, I mean, for example, in his guitars themselves, they always had electronics in them that that nobody else was was doing. Like he had parametric equalizers and he had preamps and things that raised the level of the guitar to the level of I'm talking about actual audio input level. So that was the (laughs) that's the the same as studio equipment. You know, because you're always going to run into a line level issue. So anyway, the the impedance problem that you run into changes how gear operates. So he said, I'll just make my guitar the same level as the gear that I want to use so he can actually use the studio-quality gear. And this was stuff that he was doing back in the, you know, the, the late 60s uh, into the early 70s. And anyway, this kind of device the, that I was talking about uh, enables me to recreate a lot of those sounds and be able to perform the music using sounds that are evocative of the era, you know, because when we try to present the music, we're trying to also be respectful to, you know, what I feel as part of the music itself is the the production, the sound and the character that you're used to for the recording is inherent and in, in part of the the overall experience that you have with the music, so the the production sound is is tied to the, the actual music itself. So when we're performing some of this stuff that we, um, that we do, we, we try to make sure that we are capturing the, the sound of uh, the era and that it's, that it's evocative of that, that time frame. And emulators are that good now. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it, it really has gotten to the point where this is a, a device that, uh, I mean, I literally, I will use this and plug straight into the PA. I don't have, you know amplifiers and things on stage that i you know uh, i don't have like the wall of marshalls or any of that kind of stuff that Mm -hmm. that people i mean those are still a valid way to make a great guitar sound but i'm just saying that there is a a digital tool that is so impressive and so useful that you know it it has changed everything about the way i record and and play really
0: sam you work with some of the most cutting-edge artists on the planet and you see them in the studio using gear every day. You've seen them for a decade now or more doing this. Can you tell me what you're seeing recently and, and which way the wind's blowing, so to speak? Sure. I mean, it's blowing all different directions, obviously. I
3: Don't. think that, you know, there's, just, there's a propensity towards like gear fetishism. That's because we're all excited about new technology. But we just signed a kid who's only using Fruity Loops, which is, I think, free and very rudimentary and very basic. We designed a guy. I was in a studio yesterday here in San Francisco with a very full live band recording setup. happening. Tycho? Tycho, yeah. Oh, are we allowed to? Yeah, he's, Tycho's working on his album and it's very much kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to maybe a more psychedelic, rock-inspired, proggy sound in some ways. So to me, it's like electronic music's just a, a, me- a methodology Mm-hmm. Uh, not a not a genre. You know, it's like whatever tools you use best. That's the tools you can you should use. I think it's fantastic that they are evolving at the rate that they are accessible through products like yours. I think the MPC product that Retronyms put out is one of the best things I've ever seen of its kind. And I love that there's a sort of democracy with production the way that there has been in distribution. Maybe five years ago, this panel would have been about releasing your own record. Now it's about producing your own record and with technology now, it's affordable to be able, there isn't an impedance that you need to have a certain amount of money or a studio or what have you to make a record. Now, does that mean you have good records? I don't know. That's down to the musician. The inputs will always be more important than the black box, I think. But it's great that now we, we can have all kinds of real musicians and electronic musicians choosing the path that's best for them as opposed to being forced into a, a duerger
2: system. So yeah. I just completely agree that it's it's you know even though we, we we like to be the sort of tool maker and instrument maker it's up to, it's up to the artist I mean it, it's their level of commitment to express themselves and the tool I see a lot of people get really wrapped up in which tool they're using and how they're using it and if they're if they're current and all that kind of stuff anxiety et cetera. and it's like I think it really comes down to just you know it's the future of, of music making is really in the hands of the artist very much I absolutely agree with that. So do you think by the
4: tools?
2: Uh, yeah, tools. Tools are great. As I said, I mean, I I just right, feel if like if there
4: wasn't an electric guitar, yeah. would we have yeah X Y Z genre of music? If there wasn't a violin, what would Mozart have done? I mean, it's it's a, yeah.
2: I always sort of see it as like a uh, it's a little bit. It's
4: both. Yeah, it's both. It's they both have to come together right. at yep. the right
2: time in the right place, but to make it sort of a an instrument. But still, I I, I think that tools are becoming more accessible, and I think that's really great for artists,
0: but, you know, it's really artists that are going to, yeah. Back to you, Sam, for a second. You saw Tycho playing instruments in time in a room with guys, you know, looking for that swing, essentially, that was on the new Daft Punk album.
3: He'll edit that down and find bits and pieces, but it's coming from a live place, Mm -hmm. whereas maybe his last record was coming from a program place that he had to replicate live on stage, and now there's an inversion happening, and I think the Daft Punk the rhetoric around the Daft Punk album as being this sort of bellwether towards live music, the feel of live music returning, even though we're in a very much an electronic moment.
0: Like a quantization backlash?
3: Perhaps, you know, subtly. I mean, or just like the music of Vic J Dilla, which was kind of like broken time signatures. I mean, we're always in a sort of fight with that, the grid, right? You're gonna want the grid. It feels it's safe, it's sane. But then the ones who who get free from it, are lauded for that as well, but I think it's just styles change, you know, and the mo- moment we're in right now, people want expansion, they want an immediacy or like a sort of spiritual element that I think dance music is speaking to. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not sort of uh, intelligent or like a sort of like academic thing, it's more of just like emotion mm-hmm. and whatever tools help musicians get that feeling or crowds get that feeling, that will be in vogue. And as we go more introspective on this, in the pendulum again, more organic instruments and maybe more intimacy will be more interesting, you know. So mm-hmm. I think it's also the audience, just as much as the, the fans of the tools, dictate what music gets made. You know where we're at.
0: Um, Dot. How has your production process in the studio for major artists changed over the last, say, five years, and how do you think it's going to keep changing?
4: I'm not sure. I would see specifically in the last five years any kind of dramatic change. The change really happened to me, the the most dramatic change happened to me, I'm gonna say about 12, 14 years ago, when computers got fast enough for plugins and virtual instruments. And that was when the world changed for music production that you could carry around in your laptop and now on your iPad, an orchestra. A gorgeous piano that lives inside of your laptop or your iPad, and where's my little keyboard you guys let me use? I could play, if you could hold that up for us, I can play a gorgeous violin, a beautiful sounding piano with that controller that makes no sounds. So when that happened, and I remember working at eMagic when we released the first virtual instrument. That was probably about the year 2000. And I looked at it, and I listened to it. I'm like, yeah, but I need to be able to like tweak my analog keyboards. This isn't really for me to have a plug-in instrument. You know what? I do like my analog keyboards and I do like turning those knobs but you know what, carrying around those sounds inside of a laptop or on an iPad is so liberating. And there's something about being in motion when you're traveling or in another city or maybe you're just at a friend's house away from your own base. Something about that motion frees you up creatively so it's it's very powerful i mean both the motion of like being on an airplane or a train and working on music i don't don't know if there are studies on it but you feel this creative rush from the the physical motion as well as just physically being in another place besides your own home or studio so when that happened that was when i experienced and watched this complete change of how people work, that they could work inside their computer, which meant inside their laptop, and now inside of a smartphone or an iPad.
2: Being able to have a studio and with
4: you is awesome. Having a studio with you. So now what's happening is just mind-blowing incremental changes. That's my opinion. You know, The fact now what you can do with something like Melodyne, being able to completely control the pitch and change around someone's musical notes of what they sang. I mean, that's it's awesome. But when that happened, that you could have your whole studio on the go with you, mind-blowing. And that was because computers got fast enough.
0: How do you capture inspiration when it hits you in the wild, sort of now, on a plane or in, in the terminal?
4: You know, it's a funny thing. Inspiration hits you. Sometimes it is like, you know, boom, it hit you. But a lot of times it's you're, you're creating the situation for the inspiration to hit you. And then it just kind of, it's almost like you're like a, or, or tuning into the inspiration that's all around you. So, you know, just having a nice setup, okay. whether it's inside your laptop with some awesome headphones, <laughs> you know, whatever it might be, you're creating the conditions to create and it just lets the inspiration in.
0: So I might find you at SFO with your headphones on and your laptop open, sort of working away, or?
4: I'd love to. I mean, actually, I'm trying to take advantage of all the awesome people here to speak with, so I probably won't go inside my headphones today. Yeah.
3: To that point, just the idea of capturing inspiration, I mean, Instagram's a great analogy, Uh, uh, and all all the photo apps, where a lot of people who weren't photographers weren't able to at least touch the cloth and, like, experiment with creation, I think we're going to find in the next, like very soon, music creation being as ubiquitous as photo sharing, you know, it, it, not, not necessarily dumbed down, but just intuitive and fun and the way SoundCloud's about capturing audio, like why can't this conversation be being remixed or reassembled in a way that anybody can understand. Yeah, I think that's great for, for, it's not going to bring the quality of music down, it's just going to create more discussion around music creation.
2: Yeah, I, I'd love to see uh, that kind of thing happen too. You know, we play games on our phones and um, we take photos on our phones and we communicate with our phones. And I think those are the primary things we, we, some of the primary things we do. Photos Photos are a great way for anyone to be creative. And the thing about taking a photo is often you're taking a photo of your friends or yourself and your friends like to look at that content. That's just kind of easy. It doesn't have to be... Uh, anything other than a picture of your cat and people are into it, but no one really likes to hear anyone else 's music. And I think that's one of the challenges that that um, we have. You want to hear music that your music loving friend recommends to you that 's promoted well and marketed well and is part of the culture at that time I mean that 's what you want to listen to you don't really want to listen to your friends song that was uh, written on the iPad now obviously i I'd like I like to my see- friends
4: music hey no, no, you have, maybe you, you probably- need cooler friends
2: yeah you have you have that's right <laughs> you probably have some you probably have some really awesome like music friends but if you're not in a strong music community if you know a lot of your friends are into facebook i'm joking media, i know but, what you're talking yeah, about yeah, you know, and it's very yeah funny. Photo- photos are different than music in that way but
0: you know obviously i'd like to see that change and i'd like to see what it would take to make that change but does does like the lead singer of maroon 5 send you acapellas from his iphone or Me? Yeah, that'd be cool.
4: I follow him. I watch (laughs) their pictures and what they're doing. But no, he doesn't send them. He. But, you know, I'm going to... Well, I know you're the moderator. But I was just going to say one of the challenges of all this to me is that we are ending up with a little bit of an oversaturation of creative content, which... Okay. Should we wait on that? No,
0: let's talk about the that. The hour? future of music creation is often, yeah. it seems like it's, it includes toys now, musical toys for certain people. It seems like there's more amateurs that can technically make music now more than ever. Um, and that the spectrum of what it means to make a m- song or be a musician is, is more broad than ever. Uh, does, that, does that bother you?
4: Uh, it's creating new challenges. It's creating new opportunities and new challenges. Like I mean, I, I love how democratic it's gotten. It's kind of like when everyone's four years old, you're given a box of crayons and encouraged to draw. But somehow you're not all encouraged to write your own music. You're encouraged to draw your own picture. Yeah. But not to like, why don't we get taught that we can write a song when we're four years old?
0: Yeah. It's like another well, language. We don't get
4: taught that. You just get handed the crayons. But But now you might uh, be
0: handed in a a tablet. And
4: we are getting handed the tools that everybody can create now. And it is a challenge of of, uh, oversaturation of creative content. At the same time, uh, on the flip side, it's been liberating. The fact that I could build my own website in an evening in about three hours with Squarespace Though I don't know anything about HTML, I don't know anything about web design, but I could drag and drop photos and MP3s and create a website that some people say looks pretty good. (laughs) So, you know, that's the empowering flip side of the tools getting easy. I'm musically trained, but now I can build that website for my music.
0: What are the challenges? You got like amateur producers taking taking your work with their, you know, toys and crayons or? Um,
4: just the challenges that, that the devaluation of what music is, how, of being paid for your music. I remember some years ago when I got the opportunity to license my music, it wasn't really what everyone was trying to do because they were, you know, being rock stars and stuff. But and so I kind of got into a niche of being able to license music. But money. now everybody wants to license their music cuz that's where the money is, you know, the, the last not from place selling the money records. Is, yeah. So now I'm competing with, you know, Maroon 5 to license my music cuz they want to license it too. So it's, 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 it's a lot of challenges, but you know, I don't know when life was ever really easy for musicians. It's not like there's some romantic past when, if you were good, you got paid.
0: Like, yeah. When was that? Never, right? I miss that. Uh, Dweezil, so, is there yeah. too many songs and too many musicians now?
1: Uh, you know, before I get into that, well, I just want to put things into uh, perspective a little bit about technology and and where we've come uh, to at this point. Like for example, you know, I grew up seeing a lot of different sides of the music industry because my dad was at the forefront of a, a lot of elements within the industry itself. But yes. so, for example, he uh would go on tour and he would record every show that he did now to do that from the time frame that we're talking about from you what know the the 60s on through the 80s Is that the
0: tape was it on oh
1: tape? yeah yeah but but so so for example uh the last big tour that uh, or some of the last big tours that he did to do what he needed to do and record the uh, you know the the quality uh, that having the quality of the recording that he wanted required four semi trucks that had uh, audio equipment in them and all kinds of things and this stuff had to be shipped all over the world right and so so you 're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of stuff to to deal with uh to to go ahead and create the recordings because here 's the, uh, the bottom line is that you could have a great song great melody uh but if you have a recording that doesn't sound that good people won't really know why they don't like your song it, it, they're probably reacting to the sound of the recording you know so he was always uh, very careful to to have audiophile recording you know like very good quality and so many of the recordings that he has for his his records you don't even know that they're from a live performance. They sound like a studio recording. Mm-hmm. And he was able to actually switch from one night, one year to another year to another year. And the quality is so good from recording to recording uh, that he's, you might hear a song where he's edited, and this is even before computers, mm-hmm. where he's edited from you know 1974 to 1978 to 1982 all in one song, and you never knew. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and that also is, says a lot about the quality of the musicians that they would be playing uh that performance of that song at the the One relative take. tempo yeah. that you could cut between yeah anyway so the 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 technology is to the point now where you don't need all of those machines and all those microphones and all of that stuff, yeah. so for example, when we record stuff we 're able to Uh, Utilize a small system that we carry that's uh, that's a a company that that's recently developed this this system that Is called air consoles. So the consoles themselves are uh, You have we have the ability as the musicians on stage to do our own in-ear mix So we don't even need to have a, a monitor mixer anymore, which is a lot. It's very beneficial that you have that kind of power For technology for even a live performance to have what you need available to you Uh, like you're playing and you're like I really need to hear more of that you before you would have had to like try to get your monitor guy's attention and like point to somebody and then say you know but now you can just uh, while you're playing reach over and and do something and even do it with your feet uh, you know on pedals and stuff but the point that I'm trying to make is that everything is now possible to get that kind of detailed recording in you know less than 200 pounds of equipment mm-hmm. you know and it's uh it's astonishing that we've we've gotten to that that point but the but but the the issue is that overall there's a lack of understanding or appreciation of the history of the things that came before. So the newer generation of people that have access to this amazing technology.
0: Empowered and enabled by it.
1: Well, yeah, they're empowered and enabled by it, but they don't have um, real world experience of the, the equipment that came before. And, and don't realize how lucky they are with this stuff. So there's a sense of entitlement that comes with like instant gratification, you know, so there's there's people that have the ability to work in music and music production in the same way that you would use word processing to edit your, you know, uh, your resume, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to move this sentence to here, you know, somebody's going to just move some music around, and and so my whole point with, with that, some of the frustration that I uh, see with what you may or may hear in, in modern music and music production is, Everybody has access to the same tools. Everybody is uh, um, you know, the the younger the the producer, the younger the 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 artist, there seems to still be this this uh, lack of uh, appreciation or, uh, from what came before. So the audience itself is also subject to having a lack of appreciation for that. and and music has been devalued to the point where, People will spend money on an application for their phone that makes a fart sound. You know, they'll spend three, four, five dollars for something like that, but they won't spend 99 cents for a song. You know. Um, so yeah, hold on,
0: I want to let I want to let Dan speak to that. Uh, just a couple of thoughts.
2: It's just I, I I agree with a lot of those ideas, but at the same time, I don't think music has become devalued. I think that it might be hard to make. Money off of it, and there's two different things. I think we all deeply value music as much as ever, if not more. It's super important. It's in all of our lives. How to convert it to, how to convert the act of making music into dollar bills, might be tricky. It may not be completely
0: liquid, but it's still really valuable. I don't, How's I don't, Retronim doing? What do you mean? Your company, like, <laughs> like in terms selling? of selling? Is it selling units or? Yeah, I mean, are you making money selling this stuff? <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, so we're, a, we're a, a company, we have employees, and we sell uh, apps and software, and people buy it, and, um, you know...
0: Like we, hundreds of thousands of people...
2: Well, hundreds of thousands of people use our software, but um, you know
0: they don't all pay for it. Some of it's free. Yeah, so, so it starts out free, and then yeah. you can buy more. I, I don't digital want to get into the,
2: like the exact like revenue of our company or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, but, but, but are you <laughs> are you
0: optimistic about the future of selling digital instruments?
2: Uh, yeah, I making mean, some money. Again, I mean, I, our goal is to sort of enable people to express themselves, and I think that we've been accomplishing that goal uh, year after year, and doing better and better at it. And I think that we're getting better at it. And we think what we're doing is valuable, and we're, we are doing some conversion of that value to, to money. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the only thing that, you know, that's not, the, I mean, you know, a, a big goal of a company is to do that. But at the same time, you know, we get a lot of satisfaction out of seeing the fact that we're, a, 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 you know, day by day, year by year, accomplishing, accomplishing this goal a little bit.
0: Sam, um, do you see this trend in quicker, easier, cheaper, more music creation devaluing? music? Well, it depends on what you define it. Yeah. I mean, cause the value of a,
3: a, a sound file, sure. It changes other people who will pay for waves or lossless files. Yes. That's a, a, a type of person people will pay for vinyl. It's the kind of person It's psychographics, right? Um, we launched a company that is very slow and very sort of counterintuitive where you're paying for one label subscription.
0: Uh, it's cool. Drip FM. Yeah.
3: So it's like, it's, is the value, Yes, the value of the file, the, the sound file, is not. It's negligible. Storage is big enough. Download speeds are big enough. Like, in the old days, you could justify the expense of a file based on the sort of bit rate and and uh, how long it would take to sort of transfer. Yeah. That's all kind of moot now. It's more like, what's my association to the music, um, and my sort of brand loyalty to the artist or to the label
0: or the or the whoever it is involved. Like, it, I personally want to give Ghostly ten dollars a month.
3: Right. I mean, there's different. There's there's the you know, we have a, a platform, so like Ausla, like Skrillex's label's on it. A lot of kids are on there because it's Skrillex's label. A lot of kids are on there because they like the Ausla brand and they like the, the philosophies. This is more of a curator panel. Andrew from Bandcamp could probably be, speak to this better. But um, why people pay for music is hugely different. Some people, it's just a convenience. They don't have time to go steal it. Some people are paying because they like to give money, and that's where pre-commerce, like Pledge, and Kickstarter, and these companies are doing really well because they're associating the sort of altruistic aspect of music. So I don't believe music's lost value. I think the virtuosic aspect of music has lost value where I don't, I don't think people appreciate musicians on the level that they used to, for sure. It's a different thing. They're, they're choosing to give their money based on the experience they get back. So if, if I'm gonna go to UltraFest with my friends, they're paying for music, but they're paying for the social aspect of going. It's not necessarily the song anymore. It's to be part of the club. And that's why people overpay
4: the culture the of culture. the festival. Yeah,
3: yeah. and it, why people pay for Logic when they could get a cheaper product is because they feel like it's the great musicians use Logic, right? So it's all up here. It's not necessarily like a traditional industry where it's a sort of supply and demand. It's purely based on what your need is emotionally and 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 uh, who you want to be. You know, if you want to be like Dot, you're gonna want to do what she does and buy the, the tools that she uses and. That's, I think that's what musicians have to harness is that they're selling an ideology more so than a product. You know, and it doesn't mean you have to be a brand or be fake or salesy. It just means you have to sort of put out what you're about. And I think if you yeah, want to-
2: Creating culture.
3: Right. right.
0: Are you right. seeing um, ghostly artists think, think it all that way through from the beginning and, and when they're making a record now, thinking about the whole picture? Some do. Sometimes they, they trust us to help with that. Job,
3: mm-hmm. You know, I mean, ultimately, we're interested in the music, right? And we help connect them with visual artists and projects and T-shirts and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. we're not looking for entrepreneurs, we're looking for musicians, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't think you have to be like a genius business person to be successful. I just think you have to come with a point of view and let people into that world. And whatever um, ways you want to do that, be it social media or... or Deluxe packages. That's up to you. That's a tactic,
0: you know. That sounds like the future of music creation tools includes creating more than music. And Absolutely. I wanted Dweezel to Absolutely. speak to the multimedia component of your home studio setup, where it's not just about the audio anymore. You're thinking in at least one other dimension, right?
1: Well, I mean, uh, uh, you know, we have a touring ensemble, so uh, people that don't get to see the shows want to see it as a recorded version. So we have some DVD projects that we're doing now. DVDs are not necessarily the kind of thing that sell a whole lot, but there's certainly, you know, uh, one aspect of, uh, you know, what we want to present uh, as, uh, you know, an opportunity to to discover the music. Uh, so, but as a uh, an artist myself, I'm more and more having to rely on technology and learn it myself to get the results that I want because I don't necessarily have the budgets to hire people to to do a lot of things. So when it comes to editing DVDs and things like that, I have an actual interest in learning to do it all myself and have done um, on one of the upcoming ones that will... Did you learn like Final Cut Pro or something? No, I I, uh, use Sony Vegas, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, the the thing about it is um, the... The experience of of making music uh and then uh, certainly live music if you have if you 've captured a, a great performance you know it's 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 really cool to to be able to uh as the the tour, the, the the one with the total vision of how you want this to go it's it's great to have technology be at a point where you can read a manual and learn how to use a, a, a complicated piece of software to, to create this this thing and be your own content manager. You can actually uh, do more than just make the songs uh, if if you are inclined to do so. So there's there's so many aspects of, of technology that are amazing and, and helpful. Uh, but at the same time, it's daunting because you know reading those manuals and experimenting with all this stuff you know it sometimes takes the 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 fun out of the creative process because you can just be going down the rabbit hole of like oh let me see how this this thing works and uh it, but i like the combination of of both cuz i do like to know how the fundamentals of of things work but there there is just a, a huge option overload with with a lot of stuff and, and you might even hear that in music itself that because there's when people maximalism well when people make their songs these days a lot of times you're dealing with 100 or 200 tracks you know back in the day you know you had a four track machine then it became 16 or 8 and 16 and 24 right and you had to really make specific ideas of choices of what was going to fit in your song
0: dot <laughs> i wanted to see if you could add on the you know onto the more than music sort uh, of tra- thread
4: well As a a musician or producer, as we tend to all be today, um, or DJ, uh, you have to take responsibility to keep learning your instrument because there's a new instrument that you do want to know about that's coming out tomorrow, next month, and whether it's on the iPad or in what form, Back in the day, you learned how to play the piano or the guitar and you had learned your instrument and all you had to do was keep practicing your scales. So now we have constantly new, amazing instruments in the form of tools slash instruments, however you define them in your head, that you have to take the responsibility to keep up with and learn. And even when they're easy, you still have, you still have to wrap your head around them. I mean, there's so much software that everyone's oh, it's so easy, it's so easy. You still have to wrap your head around that way of thinking and working and think about how it's gonna add to the way you already work, so.
0: And Sa- Sam, you were saying you're seeing you're, some ghostly artists sort of le- quote, unquote, learn in reverse, where they started out making beats on yeah. an
3: IMPC, and can you tell me a little about that? Yeah, for sure, I mean, they, they're not, a lot of them are not trained musicians, um, Good, but bad, at the whatever point it is, they... they're, 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 they're being turned on, the music, through the, the tools, and they want a deeper experience of the music, or they're buying outboard gear. Uh, obviously, the synth craze is...
0: Twisting oscillator knobs. Right, and... right. I
3: mean, a, ta- a tactility. I think you have to trust that peop- the, the people who want to go deeper, you know, she's going to find a, the software or the tools or the synths that maximize the best performance you know and I think it's easy to assume that just because we have these sort of surface level cheaper options that people are going to stop there but you know it's like photography not everyone's going to go buy you know a Hasselblad or like a Leica and learn about darkroom photography but some people will and they're going to be really good at it because they grew up from age five shooting photos and understanding composition and so I think you get the trust that like the the people who are serious about it are going to really Graduate. Graduate. And that goes for music education, not just as makers, but as listeners. I, without without hip hop, I wouldn't have gotten into jazz and a lot of music, but because it was sort of presented Give you in a way. Taste. What's
4: Give that? Give you a taste to jazz when you listen to hip hop. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, and I yeah. wouldn't have,
3: I would have thought of too academic as a 13 yeah. year old, you know, with right. sort of jazz dumb tools. Jazz you know, when you're 13. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and guys right. like Beastie, the Beasties, and, and RP and Rakim, like they. They synthesized process, it, of course. And, add, yeah. and that's you need that. You need that reinterpretation. So you get to kind of trust the process that this is going to be for a better knowledge. You know, but mm-hmm. there
1: there are still elements where, for example, uh, and I, I think it's great. You can be exposed to all kinds of uh, different styles. Even in one specific genre, it's now the, there's less boundaries. You know, and people are, are opening themselves up to it. But you still have a proliferation of, of people who are uneducated to, to uh, the process of, of what's going on. And I'll give you an example. A friend of mine is a teacher at a recording school in Los Angeles, and I was uh, in the, the school seeing some of the way the kids reacted to some of the information they were learning. <laughs> and there's these two, two kids who were about 19, you know, and they, they pointed to a drum kit, and they said, they literally said, hey, look, that's what they used to use to make drum beats. You know, so uh, it's that lack of understanding that you know it, this is a paid education. This is a, you know these kids are going there to learn about recording music, and and they come in thinking they know so much already, but they've lost the plot uh, you know immediately with you know thinking that the drums are no longer a, a viable instrument. You Dan, know? can I get a rebuttal? I know you're thinking. Oh, some I, I
2: I I just I love any look. I mean you can play music on a washboard I mean yeah. it, like I, I just think that it's it's about how you express yourself get your hands on a, on a on a cardboard box and a bass kick pedal and an acoustic guitar it doesn't matter I mean I, I think that the history and the lineage is important I, I like what you're saying about how hip hop samples jazz and that's what turned you on to jazz at the same time people were complaining that hip hop was doing too much sampling and look what it did it introduced right. us all to jazz music so I, I, I think that I was, at the
1: expense of the people who actually recorded it and wrote it
2: I'm, I'm a I'm a, uh, I mean, I know they're
3: getting. It, it, yeah, not necessarily I though. I mean, I there are a lot know. of people that did make a lot of money, and
1: some people did. But I mean, it's I like the that's, same. that's
3: beyond like there's one issue is education, which I agree with you. Like music yeah. education is a huge mm-hmm. component. I don't know enough about the American school system. Mm-hmm. It's obviously. Bad. Well, sh- <laughs> thank you. I, I mean, uh, <laughs> but, but just that that music education to begin with should be mm-hmm. part of
1: it used to kind of be there but they, and they the other one's took the business yeah.
3: you know which is who's getting paid and how much and that obviously is an issue but we're talking about raw data and like um people creating things out of other things and i think yeah sampling did hurt but it also helps you know i mean i think a lot of artists probably made a lot of money and are being reissued and being venerated as geniuses Way beyond... I mean, look at the, the Searching for or Sugar Sugarman documentary, right? Herbie Hancock. The, yeah, Herbie, right? I mean, a lot of people were... And that's why we don't know what's going to happen. Like, everyone's like, oh, the future of music is. Like, we have no idea. But I do think that um, a good, like, healthy balance of, like, the kinds of philosophies on this panel is the future of music. You and know what I mean? People caring. People caring, yeah. Because, yeah. like, whatever whatever school of thought you're in, you're going to push it and you're going to um, evangelize. And I think that that's... It's great that... that someone like you, Dweezel, is able to articulate from a place of knowledge, it's also thought leadership. Like you have the knowledge and you have the pedigree to share your vision. People who want that vision, they're gonna, they know who to follow. So I think there's more music in the world than ever, but like my job as a label is to find artists that we think are good, right? And so our audience trust, hopefully trusts us to deliver that. And what Dot does is the same thing in some capacity. So that's where filters and, and curators and taste engines uh, are important so we're just part of like a huge a huge um, system that helps people find make find and monetize better music
1: you know? yeah I mean I yeah, agree with that, that this is a, a great uh, time to be able to to make music it's just that there's uh, you know there just needs to be a better balance of of you know because there's so much emphasis on instant gratification, you know, people that just want to be able to like one day, you know, they get inspired by something and it's literally possible to say, Oh, I want that. And you, you download it and it's on your machine. And then, yeah, I mean, I love that culture in general. That's everything. Not just music. I know. I know. And it's, it's great. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there, there has to be some, um, other balance of, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the, the whole, I mean, I, it's just my personal feeling that that, uh, that if people knew more about uh, the, the, what it takes to, to do all of the things, to, to learn an instrument, to, to, to be a great mix engineer or a recording um, engineer, if they knew more about all the years and you know, the hours of, of, of scientific knowledge and, and stuff that goes into all that stuff, they would actually have a better uh, valuation for what they're having on offer, and, and, and it might be different for the way that, that really uh, music is, again, monetized or appreciated, because, you know, if, if you're brand new to all of this and you, you're, you're playing with the, the, the latest, greatest toys and you really don't know that, uh, you know, on the backs of so many other people all this stuff, rose to the point where you, now you can press a button and do what would have, you know, taken, uh, you know, years to to study. Um, you know, I, I think that kind of thing, like if, if people who have the tools for the first time in their hands uh, had a better understanding of that and were more appreciative of that, they would also be more uh, willing to stand up and say, hey, you know, we should be paying for music we should be doing something well, it sounds like we it. need to
0: have a panel on the future of music education and a couple other ones but um we'll do we have like two minutes left and i thought i'd do a quick lightning round we got a l- bunch of great minds here technologists uh business people in the audience can you give me like one or two sentences on what you need them to do for you like what problem you're facing in terms of music creation that this crowd can help you out What what is your what is your hump?
1: I, you know, I don't actually. You just know saw smooth sailing. No, it's not. I mean, I mean, I like the other day. I, I, I was working on a a mix, and I uh, got an email that said, "Oh yeah, you have some available new plugins." You know, from uh, it was from uh, UAD. They have some some of the best things ever made for music technology, but. You know, I'm like okay, great. I'm gonna I'm gonna get these onto the system, and then it corrupted the the whole program, and like everything came to a screeching halt.
0: Needs, this man needs better yeah. backup. Yeah, so no, so talk to him afterwards about I was, backup. I was able to, Dan, to get it all I to work. Say, like, you I, know?
2: yeah, I want to hear your music. You know, I'll grab a kazoo, a washboard, or a tabletop, or whatever, and write some music. I,
0: I just want. I don't want to hear it, but
2: Dan can <laughs> hear I'll it. hear it. No, I like I like this Sam, whatever you got. <laughs> what
0: do you need from these people? Buy drip FM?
3: No, I don't. No, I think it's no. about um. I think it's about not being too stuck on like what your heroes, do, all of us, do. It's kind of like we're living under this paradigm of like, okay, the Steve Jobs or your father, all these guys who are amazing and and, and women primary we're, movers. Yeah, you. We're all trying to be our own creation. So I think it's more like let's think outside of the existing parameters of what's possible and make some awesome shit. it. Got-
4: it's a little bit of an abstract. You. Qu- uh, it's an abstract question. Talking to people I don't know or what they do or their interests are. Please come up and you introduce yourself. To pardon.
0: Do you need help with the website?
4: I'm cool with the website. Okay. But please do come up and introduce yourself so that we could figure out the answer to this interesting question. In general, I'd say that many of the things that we're talking about are not really a problem of music creation or the music industry, but about creation in general today and a cultural question of encouraging depth. Yeah. And, you know, some of the things that, oh, I'm out of my two minutes, but yeah. I, I do guest lecture on logic. And I find while I'm introducing these tools of slicing and dicing and requantizing and flexing, I'll find that at colleges, there'll be students that come up to me afterwards with questions like, so, but like, how do I build a melody? And like you know, and there is an interest in it. And let's not make the assumption that younger musicians aren't interested in that. And the deep, there, there will always be deep artists and deep musicians, and Thought that's what we want to encourage.
0: Thanks for your uh, your time, you guys. I really appreciate sure. it.
1: Sure.